My jersey up too high in the rafters I got a frog team, new life and attractors Still sipping that moonshine and I'm plastered This is uh, your host, Joel Edwards, and uh, we got a actually a very special guest. Um, let, let me let you introduce yourself. I, uh, some of my the people I have on here have their own specific way of doing introductions, so I'm going to let you go ahead and do that. Hi, everybody. My name is Devin Ferreira, and I'm an artist, educator, entrepreneur based in Boston, Massachusetts, and I'm, I'm really happy to be here today. Thank you, Joel, for having me on, and I look forward to just spend, spreading my message of... Uh, positivity and optimism and, and hopefully pass on some of the, the skills I've developed as I've built a business over the last few years. Nice, man. Uh, and I've been wanting to have you on uh, because uh, a while ago, I don't know if my listeners don't know, there's a brewery right by my house called Turtle Swamp Brewery. I get drunk there all the time. It's great. And we had a showcase where five of our past guests got on stage and talked about their experiences. And before I just went there to pass out flyers, Devin was there. And I was telling Devin about the idea of uh, the showcase itself, the Moonlighters Club podcast, and he just, man, relayed this story about making the transition from the nine to five to doing his own full-time thing. But you went into it with such, like, passion and detail. And we were, like, just kind of going off one question. So that's why I definitely wanted people to hear that story. So we'll just get right into it. Um, We'll go – let's just leave college. You went to school. What did you go to school for, and then – the industry that you left to do your own thing, was that the industry that you went to school for? Yes. I I went to school for music business. Okay. So it was it was a it was a music performance degree, so I played saxophone in school. My passion was hip hop emceeing and music production. Nice. And so I learned I took a lot of general music courses, but I also took music business classes, specific publishing, copyright, things of that nature, learning how to, you know, monetize your copyright. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I also took some general business classes, accounting, things of that nature. Somewhere along the road, I got into like working with the community, working with young people, teaching, things of that nature. I got a master's in education from Leslie in Boston. So okay. then that was around 2011 or so I started that. But meanwhile, I started working uh, as like a music director for Boys and Girls Club. And I did that at a few different sites over the course of like eight or, eight or so years was working in the community, building youth music programs, doing performing arts things, doing events, you know, working with a lot of community partnerships. That's why you see me doing that kind of stuff now because I was able to figure out how to kind of branch off and do it on my own. Um, But yeah, that's what I did for about like eight years full time, like during and after grad school. What was that like? Like, were you fulfilled the the majority of the time? Did you ever have aspirations outside of it? Are you like, I'm chill, like this is... So I did really enjoy the job. I mean, working with young people is a passion of mine. I think it's really fun. I think working with all people is fun. Um, when you're a teacher, you got to learn something too. Like for instance, like I wasn't teaching from a textbook. So it's not like you just you memorize the text and then you pass it on to people. It's like when you're teaching music and performing arts, you got to be learning and growing as a musician yourself. Mm-hmm. So in 2012, I really branched out as an artist and started performing my own songs and writing and producing my own songs and going on some small tours and really receiving a lot of feedback, trying to sell tickets and really getting into like the Boston music scene pretty hard. And yeah. that started that in 2012. And so the two of those things kind of went hand in hand for years um, until, until 2016 and 17 when my music career kind of there was so much more work there that it became in a serious imbalance. And that's when I started to realize like, I can't hold, I can't juggle both of these positions at the same time. Right. Yeah. And that's when it started to, I knew I, a change was, was on the horizon. So working with, you were a teacher. Did you have any, were you any kind of nervous about performing at all? As far, like once, you, like as an adult, doing gigs, things like that, or was it nothing for you to get on a stage? No, while definitely we're... nervousness, like, just because you can get on stage and kind of make it work and be fun and kind of get people to interact, that doesn't mean that, like, 
it didn't take some you overcoming right. some challenges to do it. So I used to get extremely nervous before shows, like even to the point where a week before the show, I was going through like some nerve process, especially because the music I do is pretty personal. So okay. you're also sharing, like you never know how it's going to be received. And also too, like there's a lot of unknowns, like how the crowd is going to be or how the sound system is going to be or, you know, X factors that you can let, you know, get in your way. Um, so, but as I, the more you do it, you start to build little programs that help you to get as much information as you can so that it can minimize that nervousness to the point now where it's like, instead of getting so nervous, I more so use that energy to invest in trying to bring the best performance to the stage. So you learn how to, that energy is good, but you got to learn how to use it to your advantage. And I think that comes with experience. I like when you, yeah. I like hearing the energy is good because yeah. like, like we all have those moments where you get the sweaty palms and oh, you yeah. just don't know what to do with it yeah. and you're just like after a while you're like I'm just gonna go out there, <laughs> like I remember I uh our, we've only done our first showcase and I'm like thinking in my head this is Turtle Swamp Brewery I've been here a billion times I know everyone's gonna be here but still it's something weird about people looking at you and hearing what you got to say and you definitely find yourself just like talking really fast uh and just trying to get through things and after a while you're like no let me let's just let this nervous energy go somewhere positive yeah. and then it just does it yep. so you're doing your thing you're making performances are you uh, are your is work aware that you're doing stuff on the side like do you like people come and openly support you or do you do your best to be like no i'm this person nine to five and i'm this person after so i work it was there was a lot of um overlap for me at my job, but there were some things I kept private. But it was an interesting balance. So I was what I was doing when I was working in Mattapan was I was working with teenagers who were wanting to become artists. You know, so I was teaching them music production, I was teaching them songwriting, I was teaching them how to do performances, book shows, dress for success, like entrepreneurial stuff, like yeah. money management, things of that nature. So it was like it was very much like what I was passionate about is what I was bringing to work. Okay. Right? Okay. But then again, there was lines you didn't want to cross for instance like i couldn't just bring the young people to all my shows i couldn't you know what i mean like yeah. it was, if it was a community driven event that i had booked for them i could you know make it work but if it was my personal event like i had to treat it differently so in my in the back of my mind i'm always thinking okay what's appropriate here because when you're working with young people you got to be aware that they're at a different phase and they have you know parents or guardians that you know are responsible for them and you want to protect the integrity of your job because it matters to you. Um, so I was always thinking, okay, what's the appropriate amount of, of myself that I'm going to share here? Um, also, what are some lines I don't want to cross? For instance, at the Boys and Girls Club, I always showed the young people that, hey, you can make music without swearing, without saying, in, saying inappropriate things in your music. Right. And I had to – I believe that. I believe that, and I still do believe that that can be done. And I didn't want to step into my own lane and break all my rules for them to mm. then look at me and be like, you're just blowing smoke because right, you yeah. do it. So I had to learn those skills too, and I dug deep to find that. And a lot of the young people that I work with, uh, that I've worked with, now that they've aged out of the Boys and Girls Club, still still do it that way because we weren't just – I wasn't just making them follow rules. I was showing them something deeper. Nice. So that, that was part of how it was connected but also – kind of separate nice that's dope man giving back before you got the fame i like that <laughs> uh, right <laughs> so when you said too much you were getting to the point you're getting a lot of gigs and you couldn't do both was that just because of the volume of um just the volume of shows that you were doing outside of work and so the amount of effort well what happened was in 2016 i wrote a theme song for the boston marathon called unstoppable and when that happened that was the first time i ever created that was like the biggest piece I'd ever created at that point. I had just come out with an album called Urban Classic, which is my first like fully self-produced project. It's on Spotify if people want to go back and check it out. Download it. Right? <laughs> Unstoppable is, is on Spotify as well. You can hear that song. And that went got on TV and that like went viral and did like a quarter of a million plays on Facebook and some other places like that. And people saw it on TV and they were calling me and it really felt like for the first time I was like people like – people were finally like hitting me up and being like dude like you did it good job man like saw you on tv <laughs> and so i'm like yes 
and you know, but then the marathon passed, and then that kind of like that kind of faded a little bit. Right. You know what I'm saying? And I went back to work, and I went back to the grind. Um, and then the following year, the New England Emmy Awards came about. So I, um, WBZ CBS was the program that put on the song on on their they yeah. made the video and stuff. So they nominated, they submitted it for nominations for the Emmys. And then so I got, we went, and it got nominated. And then a month later, two months later, I went to the award show, and we won. That's so dope. Yeah, so we won. So I got to take home an Emmy. Are you serious? Yeah. So <laughs> if you if you want to know more what, what that story's like, you can type in on YouTube, Devin Ferrero wins an Emmy, and I made like a vlog of it. It's kind of cool. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, so you can hear my acceptance speech on there and stuff like that. Um, but when that happened, that night, the guys from CBS were like, we got the Patriots contract coming up. Would you do a song for them too? And I said, of course. Big, big. I'm a big Patriots fan, and so, so they commissioned me to do a pro, uh, a song for Patriots. But what happened was, it that was in the fall of 2017, mm -hmm. and it just was a very time-consuming project. And so the way it would work would be I would send them an edit. Kay. And they would respond, and it would need to be redone. But they work on timelines, and they don't, you know, they they do TV. I do music. The timelines are different. Like what what they think might be a quick edit for me is a whole day in the studio. Yeah, yeah. And so I was getting a call like, we need this by this afternoon, and I'm like at work, <laughs> and so I have to like either miss this opportunity or take time like to go in the studio instead of working with the young people. I needed to prioritize getting this project done. And so what I try to do is like bring the youth in, show them what I'm working on, but at, which is cool for them to right. be a part of kind of a project so they can see it on TV and see how it works. But when it gets to the point where it's like those timelines are becoming so dramatic and the amount of work that needs to get done, it can become stressful. And then I knew that at that point there's an, there's an issue here. So it was yeah. part of it was the shows, but I can kind of manage the performances like most of them happen after eight o'clock right. gotta work or on the weekend. But sometimes you need to be in the studio all day. And that was when it was starting to become sort of stressful when I needed a whole studio day, but I needed to be at work. So my mind is in two different places and then I knew that it was probably time for me to transition because I I know what I was like when I was at my best and dialed into working with the youth and I just my attention span and stuff was going in a different direction. I fought it for a long time. Until I finally realized, like, I have to embrace this transition as part of the process. So that was kind of how it went. How good did that feel? When that when you got that first phone call, like, yo, I heard your song, man, on this marathon. Like, what, what does that feel like? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I, well, the, the, so I had this thing. So we did the marathon song, and this guy, Ron Wilhelmson, who's – He's been a huge supporter of mine. He's the graphics guy for CBS WBZ and a um, friend of mine, and, and we met at an open mic. So shout out to, like, young entrepreneurs, young musicians. Get yourself out there. Get heard on every time you can speak in front of a crowd or do an open mic. Like, it, it does – it can make a difference. So I met this guy, like, eight years ago at an open mic. We became friends, and then one thing led to another. Probably five years later, he said, we can do this podcast together. I said, give this thing a shot. And so we, I think we went up against like over a dozen projects. So what they do is like you will sit at a big table like this and they each department says, this is what we think the idea could, for this campaign could be. And so one person's like, oh, we should make it about this or we should make it about this. He's like, we should make it about this rapper dude who got this rap song that we can make the campaign. And everyone's like, not sure about it. Mm -hmm. And we didn't win. We got second to this other group, this other group's idea. But then... They're like, well, because we liked what he did, we'll make a viral video for him. So we're not going to center the campaign around this unstoppable like music concept. We're going to go with this other concept. But since we we want to give him like an honorable mention, we'll produce out a viral video for him. It wasn't because it was so when I got the video for the first time, no one had ever even seen it, but I watched it and I was like, whoa, this is different. This is something else. And that was the moment I was like. I saw something for the first time that I had been a part of that yeah. was way cool. And I knew it was going to do something cool. And that was the moment that hit me. I was like, this is going to do something. They probably released it a couple days later. Came out online. I saw it online. 
it got posted like just now it said and then I refreshed it once it had 10,000 hits on it and I refreshed it again it was at 20,000 and then like and then like within 24 hours it was at 100,000 and I was just like I remember though that experience like really well just being like wow and then the marathon was like a few days away and so then I got um I got tickets I got uh they gave me um finish line credentials so I got to bring me and two my videographer and another friend to go watch the finish of the marathon and if you guys want to go and check out on my youtube channel um devon Frere unstoppable you can watch a vlog about that experience that i had at the finish line and stuff like that that's super dope yeah so that was it was just it was a great experience it was a cool experience like you really feel like because i was grinding dude to that point like i just was working way really hard and just like you know what it's like when you make all these sacrifices and so when I was getting those calls, it just felt kind of like vindicating a little bit because when you become an entrepreneur, when you become obsessed with something, like yeah. a lot of people will even discredit you or look down on you. And I've had to say, I have had to pass on things that have been hard to pass on, for instance, like missing weddings, family weddings, or different things, like even family reunions and things of that nature, that you know you're missed at. But you, what happened was you, you booked things long in advance for those days that you get money from so you because you don't work a nine to five so you got to work when the work is and then all of a sudden the family's like yo we're gonna have this family thing and you're like i can't i've already you know what i'm saying i've made this commitment and so you feel horrible about it but it's like you're looking at the thing and you're going i i'm committed to this so when i was getting those calls from family it felt to me like like um like those sacrifices I had made finally made sense. Like they could see what I was working on. And then now it was a different dynamic. Like the, it was a power shift for me. Like now at the time, I feel like I'm a little now more well-established. I have more time for family. But at the time it felt like I was kind of choosing and it always felt a little bad. Like people were like, man, like we missed you at this. We missed you at that. Now it's more like, yo, we're so proud that you committed and yeah. you stuck it out. And so any entrepreneurs or working like towards being entrepreneur trust that it might be tough while you're out there like trying to build it not everybody's going to understand it um especially family because they love you but they also see you in a certain light right and it's hard to change their perception but like if you really are who you think you are who you know you are inside stick it out because they it'll take them time but they'll adjust their perception of you and it'll be lifelong they're not going to ever shift back to how they saw you before i'm glad you said that uh I, I think that's really good advice. Uh, you could spend your whole life, like it's way too much time trying to change the way people see you. Like I'm always going to be my mother's baby. And because of that, I'm always, I have a younger brother. So there were just two of us and I'm always viewed, like I'm in my thirties, 35, but I'm still like little Joel when I come around. Yeah. So with that, like there's pros and there's cons, but it's like, I can't spend, I got to just do the work that I want to do. If they once they see that now they're kind of just seeing different things that happened in my life they're like wow like that's nuts but yep. you can't just do it for that because then you're gonna drive yourself crazy right so you put all this work in and now you're ready to jump off we're, we're is scared the right word right when you know you're about to make this leap and you got the work and you know you can hustle were you kind of like shit what did I get myself into when you're like I'm going full time here so. I'm the type, like, say you were going to go climb, like, Mount Everest, right? You're not going to, like, if you want to actually climb it properly and, and finish the trip, you got to do some research, and you got to make sure you're prepared. You got to have everything locked in, lined up. You got to research your routes. You got to have some guides that can help you, and you got to be real prepared, and you got to, you know, do your research. And that's the type of like person I am. So what I would suggest to anyone looking to make that transition is don't just blindly jump off of a cliff. You know, do your research and take that time to develop a strategy and a plan. The plan and the strategy probably will change, but it's better to have a plan, some sort of a plan, um, and to execute that until it needs adjustment and that was kind of how I thought it out so I I want to say 
in the spring of 2016. Yeah, that's exactly spring of 2016. I decided I was going to become a full time entrepreneur. Okay. I didn't actually have my last day until December 22nd, 2017. So there was almost a full like there was a, a full year and a half where I was being diligent in putting like like putting away things you see what i'm saying like right i was putting like money in the bank so to speak i was investing in what it was going to be like when it happened okay so that's why when i'm trying to work with young entrepreneurs or people who are looking to make that leap they get nervous because they think they have to do it all of a sudden right that's not the case because if it takes you a year and a half from the day you decide to when it actually happens that's about right right okay you know what i'm saying yeah the first at that point, what you're doing is you're just starting to tie up your systems. Like my ma- my work mattered to me. So, for instance, like if I worked at a place that didn't matter to me, that wouldn't have been part of my process. Like I would have been like, okay, work this job doesn't really need me, so I can just be out whenever. And right. But there are young people that were like relying on me, so I didn't want to just leave them high and dry. So figuring out how to transition them and make sure they had the skills that they needed to pick up without me was part of my process of transitioning. Also, the staff that worked there mattered to me. So getting an assistant music director to come in, train them up okay. so that they could meet on the program was part of my, my process. Also, taking care of any debt that you have. Like credit card debt's bad. Bad debt. You know what I'm saying? If you're – like maybe if you use it to invest in, in a piece of equipment, like you right. could justify that. But if you're just using the credit card to like go out to eat and stuff like that and it's not making you money – then it's not good debt, and I had some of that, so I had to start addressing that. Um, my expenses were way too high. You know what I mean? I was living in a one-bedroom. Um, you know, it just – when you're making a steady paycheck, you just – you might spend what you have. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Right. When, so part of my process was limiting my expenses, also trying to figure out how I was going to get health insurance because I got that for my job. Right. Also, I have student loans, so I was figuring out – what was going to happen to those when I don't have income, an income stream like that you can report immediately? What, well, how do you handle that? So I started researching, studying it, also trying to build up my clientele. Um, someone gave, I can't remember where I got this information from, but a good tip is some people, they're not sure if they can be an entrepreneur, but a good assessment is does, do you ever make any money from anything other than your job? Okay. For instance, do you do you ever babysit? You made forty dollars on a Saturday night babysitting. That would count. Mm-hmm. You know, even mowing lawns on a Saturday could be an could be part of that. Teaching a private lesson of sorts could be part of it. If you're a, a comedian, has anyone ever paid you a hundred bucks to do a set somewhere? You see what I'm saying? So any even if it's only fifty bucks, has anybody ever paid you for anything other than you know your nine to five or whatever shift job that you've had? If the answer is yes, then you need to consider that strongly and write it down. Every month if you bring in an extra 50 bucks as on your side hustle and you want to make that full-time, that, that the process is like this. Next month, make it 100. The next month after that, make it 150 or 200. If you do that for a year, all of a sudden your side hustle is bringing you 750 a month, then you can start to consider, okay, if your expenses are two grand, 750 is not going to cut it. But if you can figure out a way to, to trim your expenses enough and boost up that side hustle to the point where, you, you know what I'm saying, that the side hustle income is growing and that your expenses are sort of you know, being met, you're then taking money that you're making from your job and putting it in a bank, bank account because you want that cushion because you never know what's going to happen the first three months of being a full-time entrepreneur. You got to have something to cushion because it's – it's not going to be like – for me, it wasn't like I left work and then all of a sudden, boom, I was right in it because this is a rebuilding phase. So so then that's part of that transition. So you're paying off any debt that you have, yeah. figuring out what you're going to do about insurance, and there are other ways to get insurance. You know what I'm saying? Health insurance is very important. I highly recommend having health insurance. <laughs> like, but that's a, that's, a, that's a liability you don't want. It's literally one of the things that – people forget about like you it's you take it for granted because everywhere you work at they're like yeah vision dental medical you're like i'm not gonna get sick i'm i'm 23 24 years old but it's a big deal yeah, man you could break your arm right. you could do slip on some ice like it's crazy out here you never know <laughs>
you could break a tooth or like right so that was part of my transition and for the listeners i'm not sure how clear that was so i'll just reiterate basically when you make that decision to leave planet entertainment step one pay off bad debt and limit expenses start keeping a good budget the budget should have all the dollars amount that are coming in all the dollars amount that coming out going out the better you know those numbers the more you can help to understand what you're doing financially because as an entrepreneur that's the name of the game it keeps the business going then that's step one so even if you spend a year focusing on that the numbers will grow automatically anything that you're making from your side hustle keep track of month by month try to double that number to the point where if you could make your monthly expenses on your side hustle for more than one month at a time then you can start considering leaving the job or dramatically cutting back the hours of the job so that you can invest that time back into business because you've shown that you can make money doing that. This is pretty dope. I I, I like the fact that you took the time to kind of really digest what was happening and and plan. Uh, My question is, because this definitely, these are really good external things to know. When it came to the terms of your business, how did you plan? As, as far as strategy or like knowing what you were going to do because I'm not gonna lie what the one thing I struggle with is I'll be at work all day be like man I can't wait till I get home so I can work on my shit man I can't I can't wait right I, like I can't wait for Saturday and Sunday to come so I can work on my stuff and then Saturday or Sunday come and you're you have so much free time and you have so many things that you know you can accomplish mm-hmm. you either don't do anything or yep. you focus on the wrong thing so when it came to okay you know what you're gonna do you're gonna do music you're gonna do the business of it in a, in a way how did you know what were you planning for in regards to growing and starting your business for when you left right so people that are listening might not know exactly how I make money like or where I where the money that I make comes in so there are multiple income streams where I make money and they kind of go like this one is a commission where someone a company or a person is paying me to create something Say they want a song for the Patriots or they want a song for the marathon or they want a song for I've done a project and I just got a new commission to do a project for Symphony Orchestra. That's dope. So that's a commission for creative work. Another is an artist residency, which is um, like a teaching artist. So a community organization or a school or some program will pay me a fixed amount to do a certain amount of community driven workshops. That's an artist residency. So, hey, we'll pay you X amount of dollars to go into the community to offer 10 music production and performance workshops. Often they'll de- often the company that pays me is not necessarily the company that they'll be at. There's a lot of big companies in Boston that want to do more outreach in the community, want to diversify what they offer. Mm-hmm. So they'll find community artists like me and basically subsidize our creativity to go into a maybe a lesser served community to offer our programming. They basically pay me to go there at no expense to the community organization. So it's like everybody wins. Okay. Know? Okay. So that's another way. Another way is through performances. I get paid a fixed rate to do a show, a guarantee. Sometimes it comes maybe a percentage of the door. For instance, how many people show up, you get 10 bucks, 15 bucks a ticket, 5 bucks goes to the venue. I get $10 for every person that comes in you know 300 people come to the show then we can do the math you know so performances also uh, royalties so no matter so depending upon how much my music is streamed on Spotify or played um, on TV or things uh, uh, internet radio I'll see some income generations from those plays now TV getting your music on TV or radio you get paid a lot more Um, and those I would say uh, okay, so another way I make money is through like grant applications. So being a community artist, I'll yeah. fill out grants. I'll explain, hey, I got this cool idea to do a music festival downtown, and I can hit up different cultural councils, city of Boston, and submit my idea that they are then dispersing money to community artists to fulfill the, the project idea. Now, for the most part, that's how I make my money. There's a few things, maybe give or take, that would adjust. I have sometimes I have merch, I make T-shirts. I, some there's a, some maybe some other streams, but I would say those those are kind of the way I make, you know, money. That's the business that I'm in. Okay. Yeah. Nice. All right. So when you were leaving, 
did you have any idea which one was going to be no. more? You, you didn't? No, because I had just come off of the Patriots thing, and that was more – that was me as like a, as a professional recording artist. But then when January came, it was like ice cold. Like I didn't – phone wasn't ringing. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. nothing was happening. And you're like well, – and you're like – you're like, okay, I'm cool with this. Like, I expected this to happen. I was still decompressing from the work that I had been doing, so I gave myself some grace. You know, I was like, it's yeah. gonna be all right. And then, probably beginning of maybe month two, February, you're like, okay, I, I think I'd like something to happen. Like, the phone needs to ring, or like, you know, because you have a little bit of savings, but you just got hit with that extra month of rent and everything after February, so you see that savings take a hit. You're like, all right, like it'd be nice to get hired to do something, but like the phone's not ringing like you hoped it would. And then, right, and then I wasn't w- quite worried yet at that point, but then I got an email that a grant application that I had filled out like several months past had gone through. So it was like, it wasn't a huge amount of money, but it was enough for like two, like, like at least one solid month of expenses. Okay. And all they really wanted me to do was put on a sick music festival. So I was like, I was like, all right, sweet. But that wasn't for a few more months. Okay. So it's like, okay, I got work in the future, but there was still some gap months. So then February goes by, nothing's really popping off. Then March goes by, and still nothing's popping off. Really, so it was like, it was February. It was January, February, March, and I'm like, it just wasn't really working. Like I wasn't getting the calls like I hoped I would. Like there was nothing really going on. And I really then started to get worried. So the, maybe the last two weeks of March, I was just like racking my brain. I was freaking out a little bit. Like it just was a tough, a tough period of time. And I remember driving home to my house in Maine. Like, I don't know, entrepreneurs that might be in relationships too. Like you have someone in your life that you love, care about you. It can take a toll on the relationship yeah. as well. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? So there's other things that are factoring in here. So I remember I had to take the weekend off. I drove up to Maine where I'm from. And I just sat and I turned, I didn't have my phone near me and I just had to get real with myself and remind myself of what I'm doing, why I'm doing it, yeah. who, who I am. And, and cause you had, I had to do deep. Every entrepreneur out there that becomes successful has to have those times. I have them often at this point where you just remind yourself because if you want an easy life and you want to set your life on autopilot, then being an entrepreneur is probably not the best job. But if you want to be in control of your life and of your destiny and be your own boss and, and every day to be exciting and to be every day to have to look in the mirror and know what you're made of and you love building and growing things exponentially and then maybe being an entrepreneur is for you. So I had that experience and I, when I went back to Maine, I'm back to Massachusetts from Maine, I felt like I felt like I had hit, become back in touch with you know, what I was doing. Okay. I built myself up. I'm like, okay, you can do this. So then I get back, and I I was pretty much out of money at that point. So I had been surviving those three months off of like, off of the money that I had saved. And so I had I think maybe one more month left of money. Like if if I didn't make something soon, like it was over. And so I I uh, I took I took my girl out to to lunch. You know, she didn't know really what was going on with me, and I just had no <laughs> appetite. I'm looking at this food, and I'm like so stressed still. And I remember it was the day after Easter, so it was like the beginning of April, 2018. Yeah, and I just had no appetite. And she's like, well, "What's wrong with you?" I'm like, and I just, well, I just came out, and I was like, I was like, I can't even eat this right now because I'm like going through this thing that's like shouldn't be messing around. I should be like working on my business I should be and it just that's when the fire was really lit I packed up that food to go and I went home to my apartment and I found every business card I have gotten over the last decade and I emailed every single one of them that day I didn't go to sleep until I sent like 250 emails and I waited the next day I got hit back by the Celtics the Red Sox this cool company called Shakespeare to hip-hop and maybe like two or three more and they were willing to take meetings with me. And that was all I needed to get the ball rolling. And I just said yes to everything else after that. And then I just started calling people, texting people. Hey, will you meet with me? Every connection, every partnership that I knew that I had ever done work with, I said, I'm on my own now and I could use a hand. And people responded to me. All of a sudden, 
all of a sudden people wanted to work with me. The word got out that I was out on my own. They, the phones were ringing. I was getting booked for stuff. I had, I had landed a bunch more work. Like I was locking in contracts in that month, April. I think I made three grand, which the first three months of being an entrepreneur, I made like pretty much nothing. So in one month to do three grand, it was like, oh, it was like the best three grand I'd ever, you know what <laughs> yeah, I mean? Like yeah. I still have the notes in like my like financials. Like I even flipped some stuff online. Like I sold, like I was selling like anything in my house I didn't need, like was getting sold. Like, you know what I'm saying? And those were going, going in my income because it just, whatever I could do. Yeah. I remember that month, April was a huge month for me. It was the turnaround month. And the difference maker was as an entrepreneur, when you realize that you're selling a, a product or a service that might not sell itself because people don't know it's for sale. You see what I'm saying? So I had to put my good, my services, my services like myself, what I offer as a community artist, as a musician, but if people don't know about it, they don't know you're on the market, Right. then they're not going to just call you randomly. And that was what I was kind of hoping for. So I just put that information out there. Boom, put it out everywhere. I got a rant. And then once the word gets out, people – so this one company, I'll um, – this one company, they called Boys and Girls Club to get in touch with me. And I was like, oh, Devin doesn't work here anymore. They found out that I was on my own. They tracked me down and booked me for like – the most work I'd ever gotten booked for in one session. They called me late at night, random number, right in the midst of this, like in April. They said, we want to meet with you. We're going to fly in. Like this dude's going to fly in from Cincinnati and this other dude's going to meet me. And it was a, ultimately like a meeting that like really did change the trajectory of my life at that point. But it's like, it's like I, I attribute it partly to like that space I took to, to get in touch with myself and then also realizing that as an entrepreneur like you got to know when to sit back but also know when to go out and venture and, and make sales and make deals and right and knowing that those deals aren't going to make themselves like it's in now i understand how and when to do that you know what i'm saying so there's seasons for it you know sometimes like i don't need to spend every single day researching new opportunities right you might need to handle some of the opportunities you've already got but when those start to dwindle down, you got to know when to stretch it again mm, and, yeah. and say, oh, okay, I need – these things are coming to an end. There's no guarantee if they're going to renew this contract. So I need to preemptive know a month before these end that I need to book some more work. So – but you don't know that in the beginning. So you, fu you fumble in the beginning. But once you make the mistakes a few times, you get kind of dialed in a little bit on the routine of it and – that's like just a basically a bit about those the tough months in the beginning and kind of what was what I did to kind of like get the ball rolling in the right direction. Did you do a backflip when that first email came back in April? <laughs> I was pumped, dude. I mean, I still really want to work with the Celtics. They didn't offer me like a pay, like a paid gig or anything, but they were so responsive and respectful because I had a card from someone I met. And they were just like they were down to talk, like they were down to do, do, you know what I mean? Like just to feel like when you're at kind of a low point, because what ends up happening, right, is you think you're really good at what you do, and you think that there's a demand for what you do. So when it doesn't happen, you start to doubt it. Like, oh man, maybe I'm not right. as good at this as I thought. Like maybe, you know, it can get dark as an entrepreneur, and I don't want to be like kind of a pessimist about it or anything or, or tell people like it's going to be bad or whatever because it's great it's great now once you get through it but i will say it can be tough and one of those things that can happen is you can, it can challenge who you think you are who you really are and when the phone's not ringing you start to think man did i make a huge mistake here so just the fact that the celtics and some other pretty legit companies responded gave me the respect and the attention at least to respond and let me know what was up it was it was a good boost of like morale for me you know it was like oh yeah like so when you're in that place like don't be afraid to reach out man i wrote in this document that i put together that that we'll make available for the listeners here one of them is 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 like don't be afraid to reach out to the your client like your connections and let them know where you're at for instance 
I branched out on my own and I'm just looking for any opportunities. Would you be willing to meet with me, talk with me about anything? I found that more than times than not, those people said yes because yeah. they wanted to help. So I would, in my mind, I didn't know. I, I thought people did not want to help. I, did, I didn't know that they would want help. I was pleasantly surprised to, to see that people were good people that really did want to see me do well. You get in your own head and think that the world is kind of against you. Right. When you learn how to participate and let people help you, um, it opens a lot of doors. And this is a weird thing about being transparent. Like people think it's bad. It's not. Like if you're, it's a whole fake it till you make it thing. It's like when you start a business, there's this need to make it look like the most polished thing ever. But if you're just honest, like this is, you're my second client. I'm gonna do everything I can to make this the best experience you've ever had. This is exactly. These are the resources that I have. This is the effort that I can give you right now. Uh, if you take a chance, I'll do what I can. People respect that. Like mm -hmm. you think you people you want, you think you have to live up to this ideal of people, but you don't even know. You, it's all really in your head. You don't really know what anyone is thinking before you take the time to actually just reach out to them. Right. And then once you reach out to them, if you tell them, all right, this is what I got. Can we rock with this? They'll let you know. Right. But I completely agree. I completely agree. Take a chance. Let people know what's going on. Even kind of do trust them a little bit. Like even voice some of your concerns. Like I'm giving this a shot because I believe that I, I can do it. Having your support would make a huge difference. Like, so. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was just gonna say, even putting yourself out there, say, "Hey, can we can we sit down for a few minutes and can I, you know, take a few minutes of your time and just pick your brain?" And because people actually respect that a lot. Like, if you know any mentors or anybody who'll sit with you, anyone you've worked with in the past, can I check back in with you? Because they might not have work for you like immediately or a job that they want you to do, but they might know somebody who does. So yeah. you know, they the word will get around. So young entrepreneurs, don't be afraid. Depending upon what business you're in, I highly encourage you to get your name out there and to just talk to as many people as you can and let them know where you're at and be honest because you'll be surprised how much quicker uh, people will help you when you put them in that position to help you. So now that you do have work going in, coming in, going out, what is a typical day-to-day -day for a standalone entrepreneur? Just so, because I feel like we look at the end result, yeah. But most people don't really know like where the work comes from and goes into. So how do you spend the at maybe not even the average day, but most days? Yeah, most days I would say it's probably split like three or four ways on an average day. Like one of them is like as an entrepreneur, I highly encourage people to take a good amount of time every day to to, to do self care things. Okay. Like. If you're an entrepreneur, your body is part of the business. So if you're run down and you don't and you don't eat well or if you're like just physically not feeling good, it will affect the business. So as an entrepreneur for me, I spend like a good amount of time every day doing exercise, trying to get my food together. Um just making sure I'm in a good headspace. So that's one thing I like to do. The second is handling projects that I've already got locked in. So you know, I perform a lot in the community, so I might have a show or two that day. Yeah. Um, I might have a program that I got hired to do that might happen. Um, so lock, like doing work that I've already gotten taken care of. Then the other stuff is probably admin stuff, like making sure I've responded to everyone I want to respond to. I have a lot of like um, Google documents, working documents that a lot of my clients and people that I collaborate with, we check in on these. That's how we do a lot of the work so that we don't have to always email back and forth. We can both update Google Documents to just make sure that, you know, so we don't have to email 30 times back and forth. We can just both consult this document, update it, make sure that we're on the same page. Then weekly we can check in like, hey, where are we at with this project? So I do that admin stuff and then probably the other 25% would be, would be exploring new opportunities. Nice. And then any other free time, I love being in the community. I was at a cool show last night. I've got video. Um, the new opportunity thing could be maybe a new gig or a new show or course or program. It could also be learning about what you already have. Like if you have technology, like I got two new cameras, I got a drone, GoPro, things of that nature. Taking time to learn something new about how to use them, trying them out, practicing, editing things, working in the studio, creating new work. That's kind of that is that gets fit in like all the time. Working with working with other artists, bring them in. So that's part pretty much an average day. Nice. All right. So you yeah. got you seem like you got most things organized. If there's one area, uh, an area of opportunity.
opportunity that you could work on with the entrepreneurship lifestyle. If you're like, all right, if I can just tweak this one thing, right. things will things will improve. Right. I would say you're always like time management could always be something. So for instance, like there's two ways of looking at it. One is like you wake up and let the day kind of run you, meaning like you just make a huge to-do list of all the things you got to do that day and you just try to knock them out. That's one that's one way. That's kind of that's when you're behind the eight ball. It's like uh. the other way is like to in advance like once a month take a whole day to plan the month step by step of things that you should be doing to move the business. Once you're making to-do lists and you're behind schedule on things, then the business is dragging you al- along. So getting one step ahead. So this is what I'm trying to work on is getting a step ahead every month right. to forecast that month, to make sure my finances are in order for that month. It's What I try to do is by the first of the month, I've got, I've got enough money that month that in projects to do all my expenses in the month. That, you know what I'm saying? So yeah. locking everything in so then, okay, great. I don't have to worry about money this month. I can work, in, I can work focus my energy on growth. Then set, set systems up, for instance, like, Depending upon how into like fitness and nutrition you are, which I highly recommend any entrepreneurs out there, if you study finance, study finance, but also study fitness and health and wellness because it can take a toll on you. So like for instance, I like to pre like cook as much as I can. So set that a set that time aside. Sunday afternoon, boom, I, I like to make as much food as I can so that I because it's a it's a money saver and it's a time saver and it's good for your body. Yeah. So set the that's what I'm working on, like setting up your routine so that for instance, like if you know you got to do laundry every month, don't wait until that every week. Don't wait until that laundry backs up and then it's stressing you out because then you got to steal time from something else. Like if you were building all those autopilot things into your schedule in advance, like say on Sunday afternoons you cook all your meals for the week, you could also be doing your laundry at that same time or something. So you can figure out how to consolidate your time so that you'll give you you'll be spending less mental energy thinking about this stuff randomly. And it'll give you more time and energy to do the things you're supposed to be doing, like either working on or working in your business. Nice. So do you still, now that you've been doing it for a while, do you still find yourself getting down when you get stuff like no's or things not working? Or are you growing accustomed to it? Like, you know what, this is just part of the game. I got to keep going. So, yes, definitely. You still get down. You still get down because you're human. And and as much as you don't want to let, like, a no bring you down like if you try to sell your product to somebody and they say no it's like one thing but it's like dude if you spend six months like working on a project proposal and you really put your heart and soul into it and then it doesn't go through at the end like it's gonna hurt and it's gonna feel like wow was that a waste of time but you gotta while you're in that place like try not to let it break you down use it as inspiration because as an entrepreneur and as a, a human being in general you gotta cons- you gotta believe that if nothing that you're going through is gonna be wasted so, for instance, I've designed grant proposals that took me a month or more that did not get approved. And you think that it was a big waste of time and you feel hurt and disrespected that you weren't chosen. But then again, what ends up happening is I think the universe or whatever you believe in rewards you by those projects coming to life by some other capacity. So, for instance, I designed these programs to work to do some music festivals that I thought was going to get funded by one group. Yeah. They, they shut it down, and I didn't think it was going to happen, and then all of a sudden some other investor came in and was like, we want you to do these programs. They didn't even really know. It just it happened because I thought it through. I made the plans. I visualized it. I set everything up, and I thought it wasn't going to happen. All of a sudden, I'd already done so much of the energy legwork. Like the law of attraction rewarded me yeah. by bringing them to life. So if you get down by a no or something – Use a no as just an inspiration to try to like be creative, find something new. Um, something else that can be kind of discouraging is like as an entrepreneur, you know, the net worth or the the valuation of your business is kind of sometimes an easy way to define like how you're doing. Right. So like if if you're if you're used to having like a ten thousand dollar business at all times and, and you hit a month where you know, you need to do something on your car or something and you have to use some of that money to, and it knocks you down a step. It's easy to think that, you know, your business isn't good. And because you're all of a sudden, like your valuation is off. Right. That can be tough too. Cause then you're feeling like you're backtracking. 
but I would I would highly encourage people to feel this way like if you're going to value your business at what its monetary value is at I think that's okay because as an entrepreneur if you run out of money game over you know what I'm saying right but if you as an entrepreneur if you're every month you're building the business financially that's good but I would say don't put all your trust in that for instance, like you could have a great month for business, but maybe have to handle some other stuff. You know what I mean? Financially that month. So you could have maybe gotten more work, but it didn't show in the bank account at the end because of some other stuff you had to handle in your life. Mm-hmm. So that can be tough too. Like some months, like you think your expenses are going to be X amount, but really because of life and certain unknowns, it could be a lot more that month. So you don't make the progress you were hoping to make. So I highly that can be a discouragement. But I would say the way to see through that is to just understand that life happens. Different financial things happen. Like, like certain people, like in your life, like could be going through something really tough, and you have the means to help them and support them in that tough time in their life. That's what being an entrepreneur for me is all about: is being able to be like, you know what? Yeah, I can. <laughs> I'm gonna help this person. They didn't even ask me, but I know what they're going through, and I want to be there. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And so for me, being an entrepreneur is more about the freedom to, to be in control of my schedule, my time, and how, how I do my, do my life and my day. But also to know that like you can be there for somebody in need is yeah. important too. So finance, like, long, like to, to, to boil that down, I get discouraged when you don't feel like you're growing financially as much as you should or as fast as you've outlined it because of different things that happen. But Try not to let that discourage you because there's other factors of your business that you should take into consideration when assessing is the business doing well. So what's your work-life balance uh, like now? Well, what do you mean? Do you feel like you have enough time um, in the business and outside the business where you're like, you know what, I'm happy doing what I'm doing entrepreneurially and – I'm good with my personal life. Like I have enough time to chill. I'm. Sa- are, you, are you satisfied with the amount of time you have doing both? Yeah, it's pretty good now. Like, I probably, I probably spend. I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. Like probably, you know, the. I listen to some like entrepreneur coaches, and they like preach like grind all the time and like never right. sleep. That's not the move for me. Like no, <laughs> I don't, I'm not saying? into that. It's not healthy. <laughs> yeah, it's not healthy. And also, too, like when you spend a year, years of your life grinding so hard that it messes everything else up in your life, and you realize that if you just took a step back and chilled out for a little bit and you gained clarity and perspective on what you're doing, you realize like you don't have to beat your head against the, the wall when there's a door 12 feet to the left that you, but you were working so hard that you didn't see how to make leeway on. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I think there's a balance. Like yeah. you, you got to know when to work hard and you got to know when to work smart. Yeah. And you also got to know when to delegate. Yeah. You have people coming into your sphere who want to gain experience. But if you're so obsessed with trying to do everything yourself, but you don't let people in, then that can hurt your business. So also, too, if you feel knowing when to hire somebody. too, I used to be obsessed with trying to do everything myself. But then I realized that – if I'm trying to design a logo for something, I'm not a graphic designer, but right. I could sit online for 12 hours and make figure out how to make one, right? Right. But 12 hours of my time, to me, is valued at X dollars. Right. Whereas for a fraction of that, I could just pay somebody else to do it. You see what I'm saying? Right, yeah. So you gotta know when to say, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna kill myself to do this thing that I could just pay somebody and especially if we're going local, like if I pay a friend who's a good graphic designer who's looking to build their business, it's a win-win for both of us. Right. So that is what I would say. So my work-life balance now is like I spend the majority of every day working on the business. But like I said about health and wellness, that's a huge part of my day. Yeah. Um, also, depending upon if people are like spiritual people, like I f- was at church this morning. That's a big part of what I want to do. That's on where Monday. I was at. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. You know, Sunday mornings, like I – I want to spend in that community and figure out how I can grow. I've even started volunteering for a a program that I really believe in. And so sometimes 
I think young entrepreneurs get in the mode where they're obsessed with money. Yeah. For instance, like, like you want to be paid so badly for everything that you do that you lose track of non-monetary progress. For mm. instance, I started volunteering after a, like a while because I had made enough money where I was like, okay, I don't have to stress every month about money. I had collected enough where it's like, all right, you give yourself a little breathing room. You know what I'm saying? And then all of a sudden I was like, Okay, this is a different vibe, you know? Like it's like I'm not I'm not trying to stay up. I'm not trying to swim to stay afloat now. Like, right. I'm I'm chilling and I'm can now take a step back and start planning this thing. So I started volunteering for this this program which is not something I would have ever done before. But in the first like week or two of volunteering, what ended up happening is they let me into how they run their nonprofit. And I noticed that their systems were so much more advanced than my systems. And because I volunteered with them, they showed me that. And it completely revolutionized how I run my business. And now I'm making twice as much every month because of things I learned from them. It's awesome. So you, so my encouragement to young entrepreneurs is don't become so obsessed with money that it, uh, that it, 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 it limits your opportunity because somebody that might be offering you an unpaid opportunity could be offering you information that could make you millions. That's awesome, man. So, yeah. So, what are your next major milestones, or even minor? What do you What do you got on on your tab uh, as as things that you want to accomplish in the next, let's say, six months to a year? Well, let's see. I've got a few like personal things. I would say like a new album I'm working on that nice. that just finished up. I I don't really. I'm not trying to make make money on it because I just would rather people get get it. Okay. Okay. So yeah. Um, that's gonna be free on my website devinferrer.com starting in like within probably a month that'll be free so nice so people can periodically check on my website to see if that i just want people to have that that music i talk a little bit about this kind of stuff on the album so it's hopefully something that'll bless people um to some degree that's cool i've got some big outdoor music festivals that are coming up doing make music boston on june 21st jamaica plain porch fest on uh okay on july 13th so i'm producing and co-producing both of those events so that's gonna be a big deal that's awesome man nice yeah, yeah. Be sick. and then i've got a show uh august 21st at the hack show in boston collaborating with landmark symphony orchestra on a big project so those are sweet so i've got some big outdoor festivals coming through um got a concert next month march 16th a concert for economic empowerment which is basically like a like a global project that i'm working on bringing people from all over the world together to do this music celebration more details you can check out on my website because it's kind of deep i could get into it but it's a beautiful like cross-cultural multicultural music extravaganza the opportunity for people to get in touch with people from all over the world um in the meantime i think that this kind of this entrepreneur talk that we're doing what i'm hoping that will happen with this is that anyone who hears what we're talking about today if it sparks an interest um so I know, Joel, you have a program coming up at Turtle Swamp, yep. right? So I would highly encourage anyone listening to this to come to that event where I'll be there and we could talk, we could meet, we could figure out, hear more about what people's individuals, businesses, like what you guys are working on, how we can be supportive of you, um, and then hopefully build that a community of entrepreneurs who, who support one another, who help each other. Um, you might ask me, like why what do I get out of that? Well, I'll be honest with you, being an entrepreneur for me can be just as lonely as anybody else. So having friends and people in the community who can share ideas and support one another and invest in each other's projects and stuff like that, it's just fun. It right. makes life easier, it makes life better, growth potential is way higher. Um, you know, you can just have doesn't matter experience, someone could be doing it could be brand new and have a, an innovative way of of doing finances or figuring out the best way to do their taxes. Like everybody brings a different skill set to the table. Right. Um, so I'm hoping that we can build from there. Nice. Yeah. All right, man. So wait, I know you brought up the, the vlog, but where can people reach you? What are your sites and socials that you like to promote? And we'll make sure that we direct people to go to those places. So I would say I use Instagram day to day, probably the most. And my Instagram is at D F m u z k 360 okay so check me out on there you could also type in my name devin frere and probably find it nice but i use instagram a lot so you can dm me on there you can comment 
follow, whatever. I'll hit you back. I try to be as interactive as possible on, on Instagram. And then for more like general news about what I'm doing, um, show announcements, you know, copies of all my albums and things of that nature, you can go to DevinFerrera.com. D-E-V-I-N-F-E-R-R-E-I-R-A.com to check all that stuff out. You know, if you have Spotify, you can check out my some of my stuff on Spotify or Apple Music or whatever. I got all that stuff popping up there. Nice, man. I just we just followed you, so all right, man. I'm gonna follow back. I like this. <laughs> <laughs> nice. This is we're doing this again, dude. Uh, I, we dude, can do yeah. a whole series. Yeah, we like there's 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 a lot more information we can get from you, but I, I really sure. appreciate that. I, I like the fact that you took the leap, but like we got the whole. We I feel like we got all sides of it. Because you either go on TV and you hear about, oh, no, this person's like 20 and everything worked for them. Yeah. Or you hear about the bad. And it's like, no, it, it's all of that. It's all of that. It's the uncertainty. There's anxiety. Sometimes you have good months. Sometimes you have bad months. Mm-hmm. But the best thing about what you said is just planning. Like, you knew what you wanted to do, but you didn't just jump out the window. Right. You planned it. And yeah. that is at least one of the many things that I'm going to take and that anyone could take from this, too. Have a plan and, and you'll adjust it. Like I said, it, it you'll run the plan until it, it doesn't work, and then you'll make an adjustment. Yeah. But having a plan that doesn't work properly is better than not having a plan at all, because you can always tweak and make adjustments. And I would say the last thing I want to share with everybody, and to just let you know that if you want to be an entrepreneur, if you have that seed in you. Don't let the challenge deter you because when you make it, that's the challenge and the tough months is what makes it so sweet. It makes it so sweet. That's why like my happiness level is way higher now than it ever has been before. Awesome. You know, I still have my tough days, but people have commented like the Boys and Girls Club kids, I still was able to connect with them. One of them, classic line was like, dude, you look like you grew down. Meaning, like, you look like you got younger. That's awesome. Because you got your glow back. You know what I mean? You're not, you're not dra- being dragged. Like, you're happy again. You know, and that – and I would say, like, happiness is key, man. And if you have to go through a year and a half of kind of pain and challenge and struggle to get to, like, eternal happiness to some degree or at least be in a position where, like, you're so pumped on the day and, like, everything matters. Yeah. And you feel like, hey, what I – like me getting up this morning, like there's a purpose to that. Like it's indescribable how that makes you feel. Like you get energy, like your energy is back. And so that's what I would leave you guys with. Like you heard about the struggle. Yes, it's hard, but it's possible. And if you stick it out, if you have a plan and you don't let that break you down, if you keep the faith, if you reach out to people and, and let your story be known and you let people help you and you, and you work with clients you and you provide them value and over over deliver and deliver properly they'll hire you again and it just gets easier and easier it becomes like a well-oiled machine and you you learn it you learn the systems and uh and then pretty soon and pretty soon you know it'll be like clockwork sort of you know you'll know how to run your business then you can figure out how to like bless young people that are coming up they want to learn what you what you know, and then you put them in a leadership position. So they're, they're learning how to do it, and they're also helping you do what you're doing. So it's like it becomes more than just what you're about. You can help other people in the community too, and that's when it starts to really kind of grow and feel good. Nice. Yeah. Wise words. No I, doubt. I, I appreciate that. Well, Devin, this was this was awesome. We're gonna have more of this, as everyone heard. Yeah, dude. Every Sunday, I'm coming back. <laughs> We're gonna hang out, go to Turtle Swamp. Let's do it, yeah. man. I, I, I can take this We're motivation myself. Se- <laughs> We're gonna make a whole series. We're gonna break down each point, and I'll do a whole teaching thing on each one of the ten points that we got to cover. I'm, I'm we'll with it, man. It as a series, I'm with it, man. Let's make progress, dude. Right, well, I, yeah. I really appreciate you having me on, and 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 I and we're neighbors, so I look forward to doing this again. Good, but and everyone who listens, uh, uh, we appreciate it. Please tune in. Um, we always, uh, we want to have more moments like this, uh, and I hope that you were able to pull something from this conversation. I was, um, and I'm always inspired by the guests that we have. Um, so for everyone listening, Moonlighters Club podcast, you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, um, YouTube now as well even LinkedIn. And if you ever have any questions or thoughts or you want to be a guest, hit me up, joel at moonlightersclub.com. I would love to hear from you. Um, Until next time, Devin, thank you. 
My pleasure. And listeners, I thank you as well. Have a good one.